I see the Owlets being a more competitive team in 2018. I'm not saying they're going to win the Grey Cup. I'm not saying they're going to win the East. Uh, but I expect them to improve quite a bit on that three-win total. And in their losses, uh, I'm expecting to see a competitive team. We are back. The dust starting to settle. It hasn't completely settled yet on free agency 2018 in the Canadian Football League. James Sabalski, Davis Sanchez, uh, back at it once again. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for taking the time to download and to listen to us, whether it's on CFL.ca or in iTunes or in SoundCloud. And don't forget that the Waggle is brought to you by Sport Clips. You too can style and profile just like Chez and I by finding the nearest Sport Clips. And be sure to go with Davis's go-to specialty, the Sports Clips MVP haircut experience. We're talking massaging shampoos, hot steam towels, sports on TV, football, hockey, baseball, basketball, sports people, and oh yes, legendary haircuts. And did I mention sports? And if you like free as much as I do, and as much as Chez does... Go to cfl.ca slash waggle to redeem a free MVP haircut for first-time customers. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Find a Sport Clips near you at sportclips.ca. And sitting in the barbershop chair this week, the Sport Clip chair, we got our man, Chezzy, our one of our go-to. He's kind of like the stealth bomber at cfl.ca, isn't he? He, def- he definitely is that. Uh, underrated and uh, very much appreciated Mr. Jeff Creever, uh, thanks for joining us, Creve. Oh man, it's such a such an honor to be back on the waggle, and and I, I look at this like a like a tryout. You guys said uh, this is my shot. I'm getting it. Maybe if I do a good job, I get to come back next week. Well, you uh, only got one chance to blow this opportunity. What's what's the what's the rap? What's the thing, James? Bring me home. Let me bring me home. This opportunity Rabbit. comes once in a lifetime. So, <laughs> so you better lose yourself, Creever. But I will say this: just be cap friendly, because as you as we've seen, whether it's somebody named Wamba or Dennis or Bowman, you can get cut if the price is wrong. So make sure the price is right. And I, I feel like you're very cap-friendly for us here this week. So so thanks for doing this. So to kind of set the tone this week, Chess, we're going to play a little bit of a game here as, as we kind of look back as what's been happening for free agency. We talked a bit about it last week. Now the dust has kind of settled a little bit more on this. And we thought we'd kind of find uh, some home runs and maybe strikeouts. But from a football standpoint, a little game we're going to play, Chess. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, going to be plus, three punts, three touchdowns uh, from free agency. What we see as three slam dunk touchdowns and uh, three three punts that uh, three two and out. It's, uh, <laughs> you know what? We'll see. It may play out later, but as of now, we're not seeing it as a win. It's off the field and bring on the punching unit for that move. Well, let's uh, well, and, and so we got Creever here, Jeepers Creevers, if you will. Uh, but but Jeff from CFL.ca, you probably read a ton of his articles that he's written, and this guy is just a fountain of information, scouring the landscape for prospective free agents, guys who are still out there, guys who have signed. Jeff, you're the guy who's pretty much the go-to guy when it comes to putting together all these lists that we all debate, you know, week in, week out on CFL.ca. So we thought we'd try start things off with you uh, to get things going in terms of some home runs and strikeouts. So why don't we go? Why don't we start with your first touchdown, if you will for uh from free agency who's your first touchdown <laughs> jeepers creevers that's a new one I've, I've got a lot of nicknames i haven't heard that one before um the first touchdown is actually going to the montreal alouettes um and, and, and it's hard to pick one player in particular 
Uh, but this team is a much better team than it was two weeks ago. The Owls have been subject to a lot of debate over the last week or so since free agency started. And one of the arguments that I've seen on social media and through media is that they've spent too much money. They've overspent on these guys. Hold on a second. And, Davis, you can, you can vouch for this. Yeah. Well, free agency. Free agency is about overspending. That's, that's the game. <laughs> I mean, if, a guy, if, a guy, if, if Tommy Campbell is leaving the familiar and friendly winning co- uh, confines of the Calgary yep. Stampeders, He's not doing it without taking more money, right? What did you, no, what did you you're 100%. Standing, when you were standing on that hill at McMahon Stadium, I remember this, right? I think it was before the Western Final, and those guys were playing for something. You said it was a little bit more than winning the game. What, what was it? It was money. Playing for that money. That's, that's it. That's it. No, you're, you know what? You're exactly right. And they've actually – I'm with you on this. I'm with you on this, Creve, and, and a lot will debate that throw Montreal uh, as a win in free agency. But you're right. When you're a team that's struggling – not only are they struggling on the field, they're struggling uh, at the gates. Uh, there's a, some some sort of flux in the organization. You want to get you want to get good players. You're going to have to pay a little bit. And there's some debate over numbers. And I can tell you that the numbers I know firsthand that some of the numbers being reported are not correct. And uh, if you look at a guy's contract uh, numbers being thrown out for a couple of these free agents, you look at the contract numbers being thrown out. The number for this year that salary number we hear, that number is, av- is not the average over two years. It may look higher this year. So, yes, they paid X amount of dollars for Westman or for Campbell or for White, but the truth of the matter is it's higher this year. It's less next year because over the average of the deal. So they didn't, Al didn't necessarily get sewered on these guys like people want to pile on about. It's actually and, – and we'll find out. Like you, like you said, it looks good, but we'll find out. But uh, – I like I like that too for that reason. Creep, you got to go pay guys. The, Mon- the Montreal Alouettes, Davidson James, uh, they have had a talent deficiency. That has been their issue. It was when Kavis Reed showed up, and he's only been here for a year. The key that, as we know, to building a football team is Canadian scouting and U.S. scouting. Those are longer term things, and we'll see how Kavis does there. But he needed to address some key needs, and he did that. And for that reason, I see the Alouettes being a more competitive team in 2018. I'm not saying they're going to win the Grey Cup. I'm not saying they're going to win the East, uh, but I expect them to improve quite a bit on that three-win total, and in their losses, uh, I'm expecting to see a competitive team. And Kavis Reed uh, has brought a little bit of re- a little bit more racial flexibility there with the addition of Jamal Westerman. Everybody talks about that vision that Kavis Reed has had, and, and I think we're starting to see it unfold a little bit as he's getting to do the things that he wants to do with that roster. You know, you look at Montreal in 2016. That was I, I felt like that was a defense that could have matched up against anybody in the CFL. They just had nothing offensively in terms – and think about that. That was basically a mix that what the Saskatchewan Rough Riders got into the playoffs with last year, right? You know, Deron Carter, you had, you know, Kevin Glenn, and then the wheels ultimately went off for the Owls. I guess to me it all comes down to Josh Freeman in quarterback play and that's been totally lacking since Anthony Calvillo left the Alouettes but I feel like they kind of reloaded defensively where they spent all the money last year up front offensively so this year they go defense but I guess it all comes down to the big question mark which Josh Freeman he's got a ton of NFL starting experience zero experience in the Canadian Football League I guess how much can you expect from a guy like 
Josh Freeman from the get-go. That, to me, feels like the million-dollar question for the Alouettes because if Josh Freeman is anything legit of, like, a stud quarterback in the CFL, I mean, the Owls could turn themselves around much faster than a lot of people anticipate. I will disagree with you quickly on the on their defense last year. I, I look at that, their personnel, their defense last year is number nine in the league personnel. I think they were the worst the worst team in the league personnel-wise on defense last year. But no, but Freeman, I'm talking. No, but I'm talking the year before. But I'm saying in 2016, that was that was a great defense two seasons ago. Last year, the wheels oh, went 2016, off. 2016. Pardon yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. Pardon. Pardon me. I thought you meant last year's team. Pardon me. Uh, yeah. No. J- Josh Freeman is. I mean, it's not about Josh Freeman. It's about whoever's going to be under center. And you know, it, here's the situation. And there was nobody. There really is nobody. When you want to knock the Alouettes, if I want to be a pessimist and knock the Alouettes for free agency, because I agree with Creed, they got some. They got some guys here, and Tavon Campbell getting him done. Matt Vaughn, those are uh, Vaughn can start too. I like Tavon Campbell, what he did. Uh, the rest of the the import guys are kind of neither here nor there to me. But the situation is, there was nobody out there at quarterback to get. So you know, you want to knock the out, say, well, they don't have anyone to play quarterback. That's the issue. Well, that's fine, but there really wasn't anybody out there. So to look outside the box and go get a guy like Josh Freeman. An NFL guy who was on the streets. I like the move. Sure, he might. He may be terrible. Uh, he may be an all-star. Who knows? You don't know until a guy plays a CFL game. But he's got tools. And at this point in time, nobody was offering up Mike Riley. Nobody was offering up Bo. I mean, there wasn't a lot of guys. And I still would rank them last in the in the East right now, just Agreed. because of that the lack of depth in, in a lot of places. But they got they got better. I, I will say that. I agree with you, but I, let me just weigh in on the, one more time on the quarterback situation before we move on. Let me float something out to you. The Alouettes, yes, their quarterback situation, there's some uncertainty there right now. But what they've done is they've put that quarterback, whoever it's going to be under center, in a situation to be successful. You look on the defense, you're talking about potentially four starters there. Davis, we talked about that last week, the signing of Jamal Westerman, uh, bringing back Tavon Campbell, uh, and what that means uh, for their defense, what does that mean for the offensive side of the ball? It means you're going to see a lot of international receivers starting. Chris Williams, Ernest Jackson, B.J. Cunningham, who I believe to be one of the more underrated receivers in the league. Uh, an O-line with at least two internationals starting at tackle, which got off to a good start last year with that group. But they started to fall apart. They got some injuries. Uh, Philip Blake got hurt. Uh, Javon Olafoya got hurt. That quarterback is going to have some weapons. And let me put one more thing out there before before we move on. It's not a popular opinion, but don't forget about the signing of Drew Willie. I think it's an open competition between Drew and between Josh Freeman, and I see them both having a legitimate chance to go in there and win it. Josh Freeman could be, you know, sort of like the Cleo Lemon of a few years ago. Not to knock Cleo, he did a good job in that situation, and they built a team around him uh, with good special teams. Um, with, with a great running game that actually made the playoffs and went to the Eastern final that year. That could be a Josh Freeman situation. But on the other hand, Drew Willing's a guy that you guys talked about it with Zach Caleros and how he was once uh, on the verge of winning MOP and talking about how he could be a top three, top three quarterback this year. Drew Willie never played at that level, but before he got hurt a few years ago in Winnipeg, he was still playing at a relatively high level. He lost his confidence along the way, but last year I saw him get a little bit of that back in the two games he started for Montreal. If the Owls didn't see something in him still, he wouldn't be there. But coaches like Scott Milanovic, 
Um, and now uh, Kavis Reed uh, and the new coach in Montreal, Mike Sherman, something yeah. in Drew. Yeah, they I might. wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be blindsided if Drew came in there and won that job in camp. And if he does, come on, as the ninth you're talking crazy. Quarterback in the, as the ninth or tenth best quarterback in the CFL, he's got the strong arm. He can be accurate. Drew's the kind of quarterback that when he can get in a rhythm, and he's got his receivers on, he can do something. I'm not saying he's going to win MOP. Don't, don't, don't quote me. That, don't get me wrong on that one. Yeah. But I'm saying if, if, if Drew can get back to being a confident quarterback and they can protect him and give him some good weapons, or, or maybe it is Josh Freeman, but if Drew wins that job, hey, they, they can be a competitive team in that situation. All right, let's round out your uh, let's round out your touchdowns here. So right now you've got uh, you got the Owls, uh, you got the Owls going strong right now, and uh, and then okay, so round out so round out your top three here. Two weeks ago, I wrote in my column twenty one questions for the off season that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, are the new Grey Cup favorites. I like what the Riders have done this off season. Uh, they've gotten a dynamic duo, the best duo in the CFL uh, at Rush End with, with Willie Jefferson and Charleston Hughes. There, that is going to be a lot to contain. And, and with Zach Caleros, I am in full agreement with you guys that there is a chance uh, with that offense there, a new system, uh, a new coach to play for, and a fresh start that Zach can get back to being uh, close to the quarterback he was at one time uh, when he played for the Ticats. So uh, I really like what the Riders have done. With that said, the last two weeks, the Calgary Stampeders have done just about everything that they have wanted to do. This is why we look at John Huffnagel and say this is the best general manager in the CFL. He has got to be smiling right now. And same with Dave Dickinson. Same with Devon Claybrooks. And I'll tell you why. What the Stampeders have done this offseason is there's been a clear focus on moving on from some of their aging talent. And I say talent because some of these players, Charleston Hughes, uh, Josh Bell, who retired, uh, Mark Way McDaniel, yes, they're getting older. However, they are still very talented. It's no disrespect to them. But they've moved on from those guys, Jerome Manson as well, and they've been able to re-sign their younger core players with a ton of upside. We're talking about guys under 30 like Siante Evans, Devaris Daniels, Kamar Jordan, Ja'Gary Davis, uh, even Lamar Durant, the Canadian. Uh, they've been able to bolster their depth there. Uh, the Stamps, you go through the depth chart of every team. Go ahead. It's a, it's a fun exercise. Uh, Marshall Ferguson has already done this, I'm sure, uh, or is working on it right now. Our guy, Marshall Ferguson, with CFL.ca. You go position by position, and I guarantee you there's not a team that is nearly as deep uh, at every position as the Calgary Stampeders right now. They are going to be a motivated team in 2018. You know that Kamar Jordan is motivated after the fumble. You know that Bo, he deleted his Twitter. He's motivated. they got some of the best receivers in the league. Bo's shoulder is going to be healthy. Right now, I'm saying the Calgary Stampeders, with the offseason that they've had and what they've done in free agency as far as keeping their own guys, they are a clear-cut Great Cup favorite. You said John Huffnagel is the best GM in the league. I didn't. I did not say that, but I think he did. A, I think he did a good job of getting his guys resigned. And Creep, I would attribute that as much as you want to give give Huff a credit for getting these guys back. Who found these guys in the first place? And that's the right. because it's a no brainer. It didn't take. I I'm not the best GM in the league, and I I could have let you know I'm gonna get Siante Evans, uh, Jagari Davis. Uh, Devaris Daniels and Kamar Jordan resigned. Uh, that's that's a no, that, those are almost no brainer. They did a good job doing that and getting those guys back because it's and you have to make those tough decisions and that's why you're giving Huff credit and that's why he deserves credit because he's making that tough decision of turning a roster over like Wally used to say 
It's better a year early than a year late. He's done a great job doing that. But I would give just as much, or actually I'll give more credit to the guy who's finding these those four or five young guys that they have that are where they're able to turn the page on guys like Charleston Hughes and Mess and and, and uh and Mark Wayne McDaniel. Whoever's finding these guys, I give credit to those guys. Uh, this pro the director of player personnel and Huff who are getting these guys signed. But uh I agree with you. I like what the staffs did. I got a lot of sh- crap a lot of crap <laughs> from so- in social media because I said the Stamps did the best job this year, I thought, in the off season. Now, I didn't say they did the best job in free agency because they didn't really get a lot of guys a piece of free agency. What I meant by that last week was that they did the best job in the off season. They really some the older salaries and make them keep younger and get those young guys returned. So uh, we're on the same page there, but definitely uh, props to the, the guys going out and finding players for the, for the Stamps. So who's a better general manager than John Huffnagel out there right now? Is there? Who's better? Yeah, is there a better what, GM what, out there right you, now than John Huffnagel? Well, how, well, how are how are you judging? How are you judging what? How do you judge what the what the good GM is? Well, I, you I think when you when you look at you building a sustainable contender, it's hard to find another team right now, based on his track record, than what John Huffnagel's done with the core of this team, everybody seems to be, you know, giving thumbs up to what the Calgary Stampeders have done. I'm still not necessarily sold that they're going to be the team to beat at the end of this season right now. And I, I'll stick to what I said last week about Saskatchewan. They did some great moves, but John Huffnagel's built something in Calgary that has carried over for the last decade. And look at, look at this team. Like, look, I mean, they went through, um, you know, hey, a magical sort of game, a heartbreak for them, but kind of a magical sort of play and scenario that went down to allow the Argos to win that game last year. They lost in overtime in the Grey Cup against Ottawa. I mean, they've been at the Grey Cup back-to-back seasons there. You know, they took a year off from getting to the Grey Cup, losing in the Western Final to Edmonton in 2015, and then they win the Grey Cup the year before. So they've been to three of the last four Grey Cups. Granted, they didn't win the last two, but... That's a team that I think, you know, everybody can still, and even right now, as, as Creve, you just alluded to, this is a team that, you know, you could look at as being still the team to beat. I think a lot of people would still make that case that they're the team to beat. And if they're not the team to beat, they're definitely top two, top three for the entire league in terms of contenders. I'm sure if the Vegas odds are out there right now, you can kind of look at it and say, okay, yeah, you're going to put some action on somebody to win the Great Cup in 2018. The Stamps are probably a pretty good bet. So that's let me, what I would let me, say that Let me say this. I will say this. Who is the best Who are the best two two quarterbacks in the league right now? Mike Riley, Paul Levi Mike. Mitchell. Who have been the best, best two quarterbacks in this league for the last three years, four years? Those two. Right. Same so, I mean, it's right. So if, if you look, when we looked at Ed Hervey and what he did when he was in Edmonton, did we not say there was there was anybody that did a better job with his team than Ed Hervey on the field with his product he had? Did anyone do a better job? Yeah, but John Huffnagel didn't get fired over I, I, the last no, 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 year. I'm, I'm, I'm John Huffnagel wasn't I, fired. I'm asking, you a I'm asking you a question. Yeah. Did anyone do a better job of when we looked at talent? We talked about it last year and year before last, or year before last last couple of years. We talked about talent. We said, did anyone do a better job than Ed Hervey bringing in talent? I think I think Chris Jones my deserves point, a lot of credit. Right? There. No, my point. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm going. I'm going on to something. I got a point here. Yeah. But James doesn't want to answer because he knows where I'm going. My point is, is we say that you're throwing that out about Huff and not not taking away 
thing away from Huck. What he's built over over a long period of time is is undeniable. What he's done, but I also could say the same thing for what Ed did, what Rock did last year. But you could, what, but I, I, I would Chris Jones, what Chris no, what Chris Jones did, what Chris Jones has done since he took over that team, the talent he's he's flipped over on that team since now from from two and a half years ago. My point is, is that if you have Mike Riley or you have if you have Mike Riley, you have Bo Levi Mitchell. It's it's not it's you're going to have a good team. So it's hard to throw those guys to throw him up up there like that because they're going to have talent. But I it, I think it's more than just that because Chez, I'll I'll say this, and maybe there were just massive losses by losing you know Chris Jones by losing, but. The one thing that I guess you could look at with Ed after 2015, look at how many defections there were from the Edmonton Eskimos after 2015. And it took, it took, it took, it took that an no, That's an indictment of a GM. Of well, I would say this, but I think there were issues with probably trying to man, manage the books and balance the, the salary cap. Well, look at the last that's two fair. years. Look at Calgary the last two years, right? I mean, Calgary was, was the team to beat in 2016. And they got back, they reloaded, and they were the team to beat again in 2017. And they've taken their, a couple of losses here and there, but they've all been sustainable. They lost the best lineman in 2016. Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't. I mean, Edmonton won the Edmonton yeah. won the Grey Cup. You're going to lose players when you win the Grey Cup. Sure. <laughs> Just watch how many guys Toronto lose this year. That's that's what happens when you win. People take your players. That's that's what happens. That I'm I'm with you. We also I mean, add Marcel Desjardins. Look what he's done in Ottawa the last yeah. last few years with. I mean, with an expansion I, I, team. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm not. Oh, I'm not taking away from Mark. I'm just saying. I'm not being quoted on on this podcast and just throwing a blanket statement out there. The sure. Huff is the best GM in the league. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm straight that from my record. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm not willing to say that. <laughs> you're not. You're not going there. No, I. I just think when no. you look at when you look at the sustainability at what he's created over the last number of years. You know, you could you could have made a case for Wally Buono, but Wally's not a GM anymore. You know, Jim Pop was ultimately had an exit in Montreal. The Lions haven't been the Lions haven't been to a Grey Cup in seven years. I mean, what, the Lions, you're definitely not putting Montreal BC in that situation. Yeah, so uh, Jim Pop, Jim Pop in that scenario where Jim Jim had a um, an exit that was probably not on his terms. If you were to ask him point blank about how things ended in Montreal, now he gets back and wins a Grey Cup in his first year in Toronto, which is a remarkable story. Um, you know, Chris Jones, the same thing. And, in terms of what Chris Jones is doing right now, it looks like he's got something special going in, in Regina, but it's got to be sustainable. Continuity. Continuity, I think, has to you're, count you're, for something. You're, yeah. Brock Sunderland's doing exactly. a great job you're... in Edmonton, too, but you know what? <laughs> we got to see the body of work. That's what. That's why Huff's up there. That's why Huff is. That's why. And, and that's that's why, great. And that's, that's, put your name on it, Sanchez. Put your name on it, Sanchez. <laughs> I said he's done it over a, a period of time. He's done a great, he's done a heck of a job. There's no doubt about for it. For me, for me, it's about what what James said. It's about longevity. No GM has built as good a team for as long as John Huffnagel has. Chris Jones has a chance to get to that level because if he gets the Riders to the Grey Cup soon and wins it, they will be building statues of him there. And I'm telling you, statues. He's going to be a legend taking over a team that was struggling badly. And Chris Jones, you could easily, someone could easily make a case for him being the best GM in the league right now. There just needs to be a little bit more longevity. Chris Jones, everywhere he's gone, he has won, whether it is as a coordinator, a head coach, and now he has a chance to do it as a GM. But it's only been a few years. Let's see a little bit more. Who's the best writer at CFL.ca? 
Um, <laughs> Loaded question. <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff. All right, next, 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 next comment. All right, number three. Who's your third touchdown? Uh, third touchdown. I'm going with the Edmonton Eskimos and the and the free agency that they've had. Uh, it hasn't been about the big splash with them, so to speak. The sexy signing outside of outside of Alex Gaiasi. That's a big name. Uh, but it's been about taking care of business uh, and getting their depth guys signed. We saw the uh, injury struggles that the Eskimos had last year. Historic. I mean, I, I can't go back and, and think of a time a team has dealt with injuries like the Edmonton Eskimos did last year, yet they were able to get through it because of their depth. Uh, and they, Brock Sunderland has done a good job of working to get those guys back. He's got most of his starters back on defense. He's got a younger defensive line now, moving on from guys like Odell Willis and Marcus Howard. Um, Hunt is gone, uh, bringing in Alex Bazzi. They got Kwaku Boateng ready to go there. But then when you're talking about depth, you're looking at a very deep group of linebackers and at running back. If something happens to C.J. Gable now, they still have John White. If something happens to John White, they have Trayvon Van. They're a very deep group on both sides of the ball, and they still have one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL and Mike Riley. Yeah, they lost a couple of receivers. I still like their depth at that position. They got some young guys ready to go there. I think Brock has done a really good job of getting the Eskimos ready to compete in the West where you know it's going to be a dogfight this year. Creever, I want to jump in right right away on this one because you mentioned that they, they lost a couple, took a couple of hits at receiver, but you still like their depth. They just lost Zilstra and Bowman, and you're okay with this. Two years ago, they had one of the most prolific passing offenses in the league, and nobody knew who Brandon Zilstra was. Yeah, great point. Great point. I mean, Mike Riley, Mike Riley, good. You guys know. You guys have seen it a long time. The best quarterbacks in the CFL, uh, you know, those guys that, that come along every so often, Mike Riley's one of them. Uh, they make their receivers better as well. Um, Brandon Zilstra, if this is a guy that's uh, two or three years ago was on the Alouette's practice roster, are we even talking about Brandon Zilstra today? I mean, I, I, Brandon Zilstra is an amazing talent. You don't, you don't lead the league in receiving by accident. Don't, I'm not taking that away from him. But him having the opportunity to catch passes from Mike Riley helped him become great. Same with Darius Bowman. His career really took off when he came to Edmonton and caught passes from Mike Riley. So I believe the Eskimos have the talent there. Uh, Darrell Walker's a top three receiver in the CFL in my mind, and he's going to be their primary target this year. And getting him back uh, was, a, was a major coup for them, I believe. Uh, but you know, younger, younger guys like, like Bryant Mitchell. I'm big on Bryant Mitchell. I've, I've written Bryant Mitchell's a heck of a football. I was just about to say him, too, Creed. Bryant yeah. Mitchell's a heck of a player. He'll step right yeah. in there and be a huge Love contributor. Him. They like him a lot. Yeah. And, and yeah. I like yeah. Hazel, Hazleton. Yeah. Uh, Hazleton. Uh, coverage. He's very underrated. He's got, he's got more shake in and out, in and out of his breaks than, than most in this league. Vidal uh, Hazleton is a tremendous talent as well. They just brought in uh, Jerron Kreiner, and then they got the big man, Duke Williams, there as well. So, I, I mean, uh, we know that that offense now, when Mike Riley's throwing, it's probably going to run through Darrell Walker, uh, who's used to that high-volume role. Remember a couple of years ago, he was, he was at the time, was getting 10 catches a game sometimes. Uh, a lot of passes there. He can do that if he needs to. But they got other guys, and I, I, especially with C.J. Gable coming out of the backfield, there's another weapon uh, who's also going to be involved in the passing game. I'm not worried about it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see. I see where you're going on that one. I, I still feel like, I, I think for me, and uh, I, I think the loss of Figaro is going to be a big one for Edmonton. I think that was a nice little security blanket for Mike Riley. 
I think that's going to be a hard one for. I think they're going to feel a little bit of the aches and pains on that one when the season gets going. I, I agree with yeah. you there, and I know yeah. Davis will too. Yeah. Anytime you lose a, anytime you lose a tackle, in particular, blind, blind, guarding the blind side, you're gonna, it's gonna be a, it's gonna, you're gonna take a hit. But that's, uh, you know, they looked at the way they, their salary was structured, and and uh, and they had to move a different direction. There's only so many slices of the pie, and uh, that's uh, that's part of the deal. Chez, I, 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 you I always thought, you always thought, yeah, you always, th- you always thought the DBs were uh, were more valuable than tackles, anyway, weren't you? No, but uh, <laughs> uh, under uh, really quiet signing too, that was big is getting Johnny Adams. But getting Johnny Adams back was really big. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Adams, no, no one talks about Johnny Adams. He's he's solid at that boundary corner. He's extremely solid. And then getting Con- getting Conar. Now we've just heard Grimes, Grimes is back. That's. Uh, They've done a good a good job getting uh, getting some pieces there, and and uh, and seems like they didn't spend you know they didn't uh, overspend to do it. So uh, yes, uh, the Riders uh, the Riders got a ton of pieces over there as well. But it looks like when I when I after all the dust has settled here, I look at what the Riders have done. Great job, and and uh, and pieces a ton of talent. Same Winnipeg just loaded up. Uh, and then, and, but the difference is Cal- Calgary and Edmonton did it without spending, uh, without overspending. That's that's if you want to look at uh, you know who gets the edge. I think for that reason, uh, those two teams, the, the the last two teams I mentioned, Edmonton and Calgary, might not be at the top when you talk about free agency. But when you look at you know the salary cap and moving into the season where they have room to move, uh, that's where you give them a check mark and a, and a higher grade. All right, so let's look at the punts here, Creve. Uh, you, you certainly sparked a lot of discussion uh, getting through your your touchdowns. Let's see, let's see what some of the misses are. Let's let, the two and outs. Let's see what the punts are, uh, are directed at. Let's see the number one. I don't know. It seems, seems like we like the touchdowns. Am I, am I allowed to fake? <laughs> what if I fake a punt and go? <laughs> you want to channel your inner Nick Foles uh, here and uh, and try something different? <laughs> Philly, Philly. Um, yeah, the Philly special. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to go uh, my first punt. I'm going to go John White uh, and go into Edmonton. And I, mm. I know I, I praise the Eskimos for getting him back. I really wanted to see, uh, especially the fan in me, really wanted to see John White go somewhere uh, and get a starting job this year in free agency. Uh, you know, whether with a team like the Toronto Argonauts, who we don't know their situation, and whether James Wilder's coming back, maybe he could have competed for a starting job in Hamilton. Maybe the offers just weren't there for him. But but to me, as as an observer, as an analyst, and as a fan, that's disappointing to me. John White, a few years ago when he broke into the league, uh, he was running along with John Cornish in Calgary. Those two were the best running backs in the league. And White has had two devastating season-ending injuries since then. I'm not going to call them injury-prone because those are injuries that I don't think can be avoided. And, and he's worked hard to rehab and come back from them. Edmonton is a good spot for him. He's going to have a chance to play if C.J. Gable gets hurt or or if they need to, to give C.J. fresh legs down the stretch and give him a little bit of a break. It's a good chance for John White to work his way back and maybe become a feature back in 2019. But I wanted to see John White get back in there. It would have been a great comeback story, and I'm a little disappointed. So you, your, fir- your third touchdown is basically related to your first punt. I don't know, Chez. I, don't know, I feel like there's asterisks now here on Creever's list. One's a no. positive, one's a negative. <laughs> no, yeah, that's valid. I mean, that's valid. That's valid. I'm, I, I hear you on that one. Hey, you know what? Just just yeah. real fast here. One of my one of my uh, you know things I had as a, as a as a punt 
for, for mine was 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 James Wilder Jr. talking about that, you thinking that John White was a possibility uh, for in Toronto. Uh, James Wilder Jr. That's 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 a punt for me, and and the punt is is on James Wilder Jr. and it's it's James James here has has uh, has really put himself in the in a situation, and and I don't think that. Uh, uh, it's only getting worse and has gotten better. And it's be, I'm all for the situation of, of taking care of, for James, and I understand where he's coming from to take care of his family, uh, to to protect his investment, and that his investment is himself. Um, what the, the issue is is he's he's come out, he's made his statement. Now you've made your statement, move on. You don't need to bash the Argos. You don't need to be on social media every day. Um, promoting and uh, discussing whenever someone else is allowed is, is is allowed out of their contract to go to NFL because James, all those guys that you see that you saw getting out of their contracts, they all had. Here's the difference: they all had agreements with those teams, with those general managers, that let them know that after the season they will be allowed to test NFL waters. You did not have that agreement, and so. The fact that, that that he keeps on going down this path, uh, I, I would have. It's it's tough for me. To, and it can be tough for fans too. I think to to uh, you know to to watch this happen because it's uh, James is the guy I want to see come back in the league. It was fun to watch, but I think he just needs to at some point. You, he's got to look at it. And this is my punt. He's got to look at it and swallow his 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 pride and humble himself and say, you know what? I look at it. Uh, if he's going to come back, if you want to sit out it out because I, I respect the, I respect if he would just sat out and not said anything about it and said I'm sitting out I got to protect myself and my body my family it's the only chance to make this money I'll I got I have not a word to say except for good luck my man but the fact that he's gone on with his tangent over the over and over and on social media and keep on talking about it that to me is uh that's a it's a miss by him he's uh he's not understanding what's going on because all the rest of these guys have agreements he doesn't I hope he's able to get back on the field Next punt, what do you got? I'm, I'm punting on the BC Lions defense, and it's it's not that that Ed Hervey hasn't already assembled some good talent there since taking over. It's just that it's too soon. Uh, they're obviously on that side of the ball in a little bit of a rebuilding mode. They've lost a lot of starters in their defensive backfield. Um, they lost uh, Micah Awe, a linebacker. Uh, and in the secondary, they lost Lucius Purifoy, Chandler Fanner, Ron, Ronnie Yell. I mean, those are veterans that you can't just replace them. Nice job for them getting Oakland Foster. You could probably step in and play Sam linebacker uh, or you could play halfback. He's a good player there, uh, but I just feel like they've lost too much. DC Lions offense is going to be one of the most exciting in the league this year, I think. Uh, I'm expecting Jonathan Jennings to get, to get close to being back to where he was a couple of years ago when he broke out. They have good receivers. Ed Hervey has done a terrific job improving that offensive line. And I'm, I'm expecting the Lions to have one of the best ground games in the league led by Jeremiah Johnson and Brandon Rutley, and, and who they acquired this offseason, as well as Chris Rainey. But I, I'm a little concerned with the defensive side of the ball. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. They're going, to have, they're going to develop some new players, and they're going to have some new names there. There may be some growing pains this year. Well, the Lions, the, look, the Lions, I think their Achilles heel defensively has been essentially their defense. Last year, there was a big step backwards offensively, but 
you've brought in, you've addressed, I think, a glaring need for this team was up front, Chaz. And you spoke about it at length how many times over the course of the 2017 regular season they had to find ways to attack the quarterback. And I think they've done that by addressing the signings and the acquisition of Odell Willis and Euclid Cummings. Yeah, they did. And that's, it's, it was Wally was always you know, under the impression that he could find somebody, and he has, uh, you know, Cam Wake and Brent Johnson, and he's had some, he's had some guys. So, uh, yes, he's always been a guy who uh, you know, felt that he'd find the next great pass rusher and, you know, almost stubbornness to not go out and pay a guy for agency over and over and over. Uh, didn't have an, an elite pass rusher. Well, Ed's gone out right away and, uh, and, and realized that they need that, and he went out and got that in Odell Willis. So I think that, that's a good move. If Odell still has it, has that juice left in the tank, which he does at, at 30 snaps a game. Please don't play him, you know, every every down because he's not going to have it. Any, any of those guys over 30 got to rotate. I mean, all defensive linemen nowadays should be rotating, but especially the guys over 30. But uh, I'm, I'm with Kreeb on that, uh, that secondary. You just can't – the biggest thing in a, with a secondary is communication and cohesion. You can get – you can find guys from the NFL – you can find guys, you know, two, three-year guys in the NFL come up here and they can play the corner, they can play. But the fact of having a guy that can play the waggle, can communicate with the other guy on that, on that side uh, with all the banjos, which is the in and outs of receivers. Remember, when there's three guys to a side of the field or four guys, when they, when they start switching and switch releasing and changing position and you get picked, you've got to be able to communicate through that. And that's why, you know, guys like, you know, Jamar Wall and Brandon Smith are so good because they know how to work through those things together. Uh, you know, when you get young guys, or guys who have some experience together, um, it's going to be a struggle. And that's one of the reasons out of BC, on another note, or uh, adding to this, Pierre Foy and Fenner had problems all year with that, um, with those the communication issues and with each other. And I think that's one of the reasons that they kind of moved on with those guys. There was a lot of, at least the Pierre Foy situation, it just didn't seem to be getting better. A lot of busted coverages in Mark Washington's defense. Uh, now they're going to have another a bunch of other new guys out there. It's going to take time to, for them to get uh, on the same page. So I worry just like Reeve does. From a secondary standpoint, I don't see how you, you're I – think, I think the Lions were in a position to say, like, status quo wasn't good enough, so you're able to cut bait. I don't think the losses are as crippling as some people have suggested they are. Uh, you ultimately got to find talent to, to fill that void, but – Chess, tell me this because you can speak to this better than I can. How much does a good help a pass rush help your your secondary? It helps a lot. It helps a lot. And nowadays, if you look at the trend of, of defenses in the league, it's guys are going a ton of three and four man rush. The days of you know the Don Matthews overload blitzes are, are coming to an end, or at least they're out of uh, out of phase right now. And guys are rushing three and and, and dropping the coverage, so guys are getting left alone. Uh, as much as as much as they used to, and I don't, I don't, I still look at that defensive line, and for, don't forget, we talked about uh, who they added. We gave Nathan from Montreal as well. BC added, but he's more of a motor guy as well. Very good against the run. You know, he he'll give you he give you eight eight sacks, but he's not a pure gonna beat you pass beat you clean pass rusher. So I still don't think they're dynamic in pass rush at all. I think they're average, and last year they're below average. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you, Chaz, and, and I, I like those defensive ends. I think with them being bigger, stronger guys, maybe there's a chance they're setting themselves up 
um, to play a little bit of 3-4. I've heard that maybe they're going after Enoch Mwamba there in the middle, that, that, that he could play in the middle with, with Solomon Alamibi, and people have said that. Um, maybe that's the direction they're looking to go. But um, $400,000 on two <laughs> linebackers? Woo! I don't know. You think he's going to get 200? Yes. Uh, he'll get darn close to it. All I can say is whatever they end up doing there, uh, there's a chance you're looking at guys like A.J. Jefferson and, and uh, Gary Peters starting in that secondary. And, and um, you know, that's two new players, and there could be a couple other new faces there as well. And, and um, when you're going up against – look at who you're going up against in the West, consistently playing guys like Bo Levi Mitchell and Mike Riley and the receivers they have in Calgary – uh, that could cause some issues back there. But not really when you factor in that Jonathan Jennings will be throwing for 500 yards, right, guys? <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Homer, I hope. <laughs> Who lives in Vancouver on this call? Uh, all Homer. right, what's your what's your last but not least uh, punt here? Well, I think I think it ties in well with my, with my last punt. Uh, the, the, the previous one is uh, Enoch Mwamba. I'm just disappointed to see the Riders move on from him. And, Davis, I know you've talked about it and, and it makes sense to me. I understand it. Um, you know, he's he's at a player where where Chris Jones believes he can save a little bit of money, go with a guy like Sam Hurl uh, at a position that Davis, like you've said, um, is a little bit more protected. You can't. It's harder to expose um, a middle linebacker. But man, Enoch Mwamba is a good football player, uh, a top-notch Canadian in this league, and those are the guys uh, that you build a team around. Those are the foundation. You need to win in this league. We talked about it earlier, but quarterback, good Americans getting, good Canadians getting success in the CFL draft. And Wamba's a rare player. Somebody's going to be getting a good one. When was the last time that we saw this goes to you? We all know I, I'm quick to to wave the Chris Jones flag. I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I just love that he lets them hang. I mean, it's he lets them hang. When was the last time you saw a very good Canadian, maybe the best Canadian a defensive player in the league, or a great Canadian player still in the prime of their career is the key. And a team lets, uh, lets them go or releases them. I mean, that's, it just doesn't happen. I mean, and that's, that's Chris Jones. It's not like Chris Jones doesn't want Enoch Mwamba, but he's just saying, just like Kareem said, he's, like, he's just saying, you know what? I want to have – I want Charleston Hughes. I want I wanted Zach Coleros. I, uh, I want, you know, I want Duran and – I want to run, and I want to have this receiving core intact, and, and I have to, you know, I got to do what I got to do and make unpopular decisions uh, in order to, to, you know, get this team over the hump. And it's, yeah, but Ches- it's crazy the guy will do it. I, I, li- I like, not that I like the move with that, but I like the fact he's willing to make tough decisions. Yeah, but is that more an indictment on nobody wanted to take on a salary of that sort and then wait for him to hit the open market? I mean, I, I can't imagine Chris Jones wanting to, you know, I, I feel like you'd still, as a manager, or as a coach or as a football guy, you'd rather get an asset back as opposed to just cutting something away for nothing where you could try to get a pick. What was that maybe a, a sense that that salary was just too high for anybody else around the league for the eight other teams in the Canadian Football League to say, oh, we're going to touch something here? For certain, for certain, he'd try, for sure he would have tried to trade him. Yeah. I, I, don't, I haven't heard that, but I, I'm with you. Yeah. He would have tried to trade him to somebody and – and uh, you know, probably like you said, he couldn't get it, couldn't get it done because it's it's a salary that uh, at that point in time. And another thing too, he paid everyone's giving Cavus Reed a, a tough time about you know paying paying guys, and we heard about you know the Kyrie Bear got his his offseason bonus, and that you know we hear you know some rumblings about that that it might have been tied to tied to other other factors, and that is not as cut and dry as it seems. But 
the fact of, you know, Chris paid in January, he paid Enoch Mwamba 35, I believe $35,000. So that, I mean, if, if, you know, that's too not, not managing things very well. If you want to, you know, I'll wave, I'll wave the flag, but I'll also call it the way it is. You can't pay someone $35,000 uh, in the way the CFL works and then, and then go ahead and, and cut them a month later. Like that, you have to know, you should know before then that you're going to get rid of somebody or, or, you know, try to restructure that deal before you, you're stuck paying out that money. Yeah, no, that tells that's... you that before the start of free agency, the riders obviously wanted Enoch Mwamba on their team. So yeah. something, something changed there, right? Yeah, yeah. And, somebody and, you know, came available that they didn't know that they'll be able to get. Well, look, I, I think sometimes you know it's adapt and overcome, and whether whether we talk about it in hockey circles, in football circles, or whatever sport for that matter. You know, GMs can sometimes recognize something that hasn't worked or a mistake on their own, uh, on their end and, and move on and, and learn to adapt and roll with it or accept it and, and go. And look, case in point for the riders, a year ago, it was Derek Dennis. They went out and spent big, big, big money on the 2016 lineman of the year in the CFL. He was a bust. He was an absolute bust. And he was cut, what, a week and a half ago. So the riders Enoch Mwamba was Enoch Mwamba was the best play, was their most outstanding Canadian player, and yeah. that's the difference. Enoch Mwamba was a very good player. Derek Dennis didn't live up to expectations. So. Look at Bear Woods last year. Yeah, you know, Bear Woods was a defensive. Uh, he was he was a runner up for defensive player of the year next to Solomon Elamimian at the end of 2016, and before they even played a snap in 2017, he was cut. Speaking speaking of sport clips, Bear Woods. Bear Woods, go ahead, holler at our boys. <laughs> hey, Cre- uh, yeah, exactly. Bear, you're due for a cut. Come on in. Uh, Jeff Creever from CFL.ca hanging out with us here this week on The Waggle. Uh, Creve, if anybody wants to give you a follow or they want to check in on you where they can find you, uh, where can they find you on social media or on CFL.ca? Uh, just on Twitter, it's at Jeff Creever, just my name. And uh, on CFL.ca, I'm putting out articles weekly. Uh, you can check out my, my writer bio right there on, on, on our site with, with the rest of our uh, terrific roster of talent spell it out for in case anybody doesn't know how to spell creever is that with a k or a c or what do you got uh, that's a k- k-r-e-v-e-r so at jeff with a j creever k-r-e-v-e-r there he is the man who's stirring the pot and getting ches and i all rattled and and jeepers creevers jeepers creevers right, i like you, it mostly you james i I heard you. I heard you stirring a little bit over the Drew Willie, Drew Willie calls. So, <laughs> <laughs> just and, and then we just try to get Ches to put his name on it every once in a while too. So having fun. Hey. Uh, Jeff Creever from CFL.ca hanging out with us this week on the Waggle. All right, the good times don't stop here on the Waggle this week. And uh, just because we couldn't stop Creever or Jeepers Creevers, if you will, from uh, from shutting up, uh, we're going to get to our punts and touchdowns next week on the show because uh, we need time. We need lots of time. Who knew that uh, Creever was so long-winded? Or maybe just because I wouldn't shut up. Or maybe it was Chaz. So whatever the case. Chaz, we got a rock star from one rock star with Jeff Creever to another one, a guy you're quite familiar with. Yeah, don't throw this one out lightly, but uh, future Hall of Famer and Alouette's all-time leading sacker of a buck 21 sack, 121 sacks. My former teammate, I wouldn't have believed this when I saw him come in 2006-07, Bo. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that he may be the all-time leading sacker, but uh, impressive, and congrats on coming back for another year. John Bowman. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me. And in 2006, <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't believe you if you'd have told me in the season either. So uh, it's been a blessing, and I'm truly humbled by by the team giving me this opportunity and, and all the good things that came along with it. James, on a on a side note here, I used I used to when Bo came in. Now Bo is Bo is definitely a guy who came. Uh, he he came the back door to 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 become one of the best ever, and he was playing in an indoor football league and putting up some like crazy numbers, but off the map. Like he was off the off the radar, uh, you know, in regards to NFL and CFL at this time, and he was putting up big numbers in this indoor league. And I was I I joked with him because the guys were saying he was like getting seven sacks a game or some crazy business, and I would tease him. <laughs> I would tease him about. A uh, a number. Uh, I forget. You weren't even number seven. What number were you? Uh, forty-eight. Bro? That's right. Forty-eight. 48. That's right. I uh, said so a forty-eight. This ain't the indoor football league, buddy. Uh, you're not gonna get seven sacks a game out here. But uh, you remember me teasing you about that, bro? <laughs> oh man, you gave it to me every day. I remember because I won like defensive player of the year, and I didn't play like the whole season. You were like, "What kind of league is this?" That guy doesn't play the whole season and win like defensive player of the year. So uh, everybody had a good time. Not that far from that because Brady, my Marcus Brady was down there, and uh, another CFL guy who played for Edmonton and Montreal. Edmonton and Dwayne Morgan, I want to say his name was. The so, offensive lineman, Dwayne Morgan. The offensive yeah. lineman, yeah. Yeah, of I remember him. So um, it, was a few, it was a few of us down there. Congrats on a great career, my man. Congrats. Yeah, hey, tell me this. Hey, tell me this, JB. Has has have you ever had a teammate that talks quite as much as Sanchez? <laughs> Sanchez is always like the ultimate talker. Like on my team, like when he was here, and then when I when I played against him in BC, he was always had something to say. But guy, I mean, when you when you when you're talented and 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 you don't get much of a challenge on that on that wide field corner. <laughs> you have a lot of time to talk. So he definitely <laughs> let everybody know that he was there and he was around. But he was also he's also a good player and one of the first. Like uh, I can say, I didn't know about Canadian Americans back then, but I did, I just knew he was a good player and, and he's by far one of the best Canadian players, hey, if not the best hey, I've ever been around. Is there a story? Is there a story you, that sir. stands out? Is there a story that stands out for for Chez from from the days? Whether you just run in his mouth? Is there anything? Because I mean, as soon as I mention that, you start giggling. Is there is there any no, moment that comes no, to mind? No, no, no you not, be quiet. About, I want stories. About, I want John, stories. This is about John Bowman. This is about, I want a story. I want a story, John. A, a quick little run in, like I guess this is like after we won the Great Cup. So he had just went back to BC. I want to say. And he had to block me on field goal, and he was just talking trash, and I kind of was just mushing him in the in the face mask and stuff like that. He got kind of peeved at me a little bit, <laughs> but uh, it was all a lot of good fun. But uh, he was—he definitely like he tried to get under your skin, but he—I he, mean, guy could do no harm to me. But uh, good play. <laughs> <laughs> Good player, but can't bother me. That, 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 like it's kind of like a backhanded compliment, I think. There, Chez. <laughs> So, so, love, so, 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 John, last at the end of 2017, I think the last time a lot of CFL fans saw you, you were emotional coming off the field for what a lot of people thought was the last time potentially in your career. And you know, we we ran into each other at Grey Cup week, and you know, you were still kind of torn as to whether you were going to come back or not. Here you are, you're coming back in 2018. So, what changed? What what gave you the competitive juices going? What happened? 
I mean, I can't believe it either. I mean, I could have sworn three years ago, you know, uh, that was it. So, um, I mean, just for me, it's just uh, as long as I can still compete and, uh, you know, present a challenge to players, to offensive linemen and quarterbacks. Like, I don't want to be out there just to be out there just because, you know, because I, I, it's John Bowman or whatever. Like, I want to be able to compete and contribute to my team and, and I kind of want to. I want to help steer the ship around. You know, I don't. I didn't want to leave going three and fifteen. Uh, I promised my owner, uh, like years ago, I said, "Man, I'm going to help you try to bring this team back to the to the playoffs and, and try to bring one more uh, championship to this team." So uh, I was mostly emotional over that because uh, I, I didn't fulfill a promise, and I kind of felt like I let my teammates down and let my city down, and, and definitely my owner. But I just want to do my best and compete, and, and that's what that's what kind of drove me to come back. So, so tell me this, John. Uh, you look at your you look at your history, and I mean, I'm looking at your numbers from, you know, pretty much since you broke into the CFL. And if you go from 2008 up until now, you've missed like five games. You missed two <laughs> games. You missed you missed two games in 2015. You missed three games in 2012, but since 2008, you've played 18 games. How do you do it? How do you stay healthy? Or have you just been lucky, or or is it is it all about starting in the gym? I mean, I'm not athletic enough to get hurt, so that's <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> it definitely, it definitely, it definitely starts in the gym and taking care of your body and pre- preparing yourself right. Like I don't, I don't go in the gym just to get big arms and a six pack or eight pack or whatever the, the thing is. I go in there to help my body to train for my position, you know, playing defensive and offensive line. The, the the biggest thing you have is people falling around your legs. And I try to, you know, I, I train myself to be able to jump away from, from those kind of falls and, and stay healthy as, as much as I can. I mean, don't get it messed up. Like I could have sat out more games, you know, I, I had two broken hands in between and I had, Torn cartilage in my ribs in between, and a lot of stuff people don't know about, you know. But I just played through it, and and I always wanted to be be able to be there for my teammates. They can say, "Hey, they like I, I can depend on Bowman. He's going to always play," you know. And you know, two of those five games I missed wasn't even due to injury. They were uh, due to somebody just thinking I wasn't good enough to play. So um, you know, just to be able to, to get up and get dressed and compete you know what i mean competition drives me and i tell these young guys you know it's a different era like i i started playing football in the 90s where you had to earn everything and, and nothing was really given to you I, I played at a small college and i played nifl and indoor football leagues around uh the state and i had to earn everything i got and, and i still feel like i got to earn everything no matter how many sacks i, I have in my career do you anyone that's played with you, Bo, will know exactly what I'm talking about, and you you'll probably know what I'm talking about as well. But there's no one in my 13 years. Me and you are we're tied, by the way, Bo, going on 13. Now, huh? Yeah, let me make the team first. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Make the I team like your as, chances. As, as a I like Hall- your chances. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. As a Hall of Famer and a and a, and a uh, retire that number. But let me say this: there's no one I've played with over my career where I have saw you hit the ground and said, oh, no, he's done. Oh, he's done. Oh, he's done. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Bo hits the ground more than anyone you know, 
and you it looks like this injury that when he goes down, you know <laughs> it's one of those injuries like oh no he tore something he broke something, and then he gets up. Now you're a, you're as tough as they come, and, and there's no doubt about it. Is that are you just playing possum, or are you just, <laughs> are you just soft and need to need a break? What is it that you always you always hit the ground and go drag? Uh, sassy uh, chili dog, the trainer, drags you off the field. You look like you're, you look like you're, you're about to have season-ending surgery, and then you get two sacks a quarter later. What, do you not realize you, <laughs> you get walked off the field more than anybody I know and return? Uh, sassy said he has to meet his quota of on-the-field runs <laughs> per game per season, so I'm just helping him out. Oh, I mean, um, I, I, everybody says that, but, you know, I don't know. I just, like, my initial pain threshold might be low and so or sometimes it's surprising like you know like you felt something like you don't know quite what it is and you're just like oh man this is it this is it they just need a minute to breathe and then you breathe it off and and you might be a little ding but you come back uh no no worse for the worst so it's actually it's actually gone as far as james and and, and bo <laughs> during this year i'm calling the games for tsm montreal tsm 690 with rick moffett and a couple times you went down, and I said to Rick, no, no, he's cool. It's Bo. He's all right. <laughs> it's Bo. He's all right. But Bo, tell me this, man. Your, your teammate, Kyrie Saber. There's been a lot of talk about what's happened with Kyrie over the last couple of weeks. Uh, extremely disappointed that he's not coming <laughs> back and be a part of what's, what's happening there. For you, uh, to be with the same team uh, for, for 13 years now, how has how that been? And, was there ever a time you were close to leaving? And, uh, you know, what's your take on, on you know, finishing your, your career with one team? Well, I mean, I guess uh, we've all, like, had the initial thought that, oh, this we're gone. Like, I've had eight head coaches or something like that in the last, uh, you know, over my 13 years. So every year, you, you every new coach you get, you're like, oh, man, I might not be a, a him guy or a him guy, you know. So you might think you might get – shipped out but the closest I ever got to leaving actually was uh 2015 after they benched me for a couple of games and you know I, I literally packed my locker and I and I told them like if I'm not playing the next game I'm not I'm not coming back to to Alouette I'm not coming back to the uh, facility at all so um that was probably the closest I ever got to leaving but it, I mean again it's been an honor you know uh one of the rare guys that only play with one team and especially being American defensive end where you just seen two guys play for uh, four teams in, in less than five minutes the other day. So um, it's been a true blessing that, that they've seen some value in me and, and it partly with me uh, reaching out to the community. You know, Anwar Stewart told me probably uh, when I first got here, he's like, listen, if you get the community, if you get everybody, the people on your side, it's gonna make them hard. It's gonna make the team hard for you to, them to cut you. So, uh, you know, I got the city and the community on my back, and and that was it. And, and as far as for Kyrie, you know, I can't speak for the coaches and and everybody else why they didn't want him. But sometimes, like like I said, you're not you're not in the picture of what the, the team wants you to be, and they probably want to do something else. Whereas Kyrie Styles, the play with Thorpe. That's why he went back to Thorpe because, uh, you know, whenever Thorpe left, I guess his production slipped or something like that. And, and he's seen his value more, more 
more in Ottawa than it was in Montreal. So, um, is there a loyalty thing? Of, is there a lo- loyalty thing? Well, and I don't mean with the Alouettes in particular. I mean, just take a look over the whole league, and you can count on your hand. You ask about guys who play, American defensive end who have played 13 years for the same team. I can tell you, you can probably count on one hand over the over the course of the last 50 years, guys who have done that. There's not many, but is there a is there a loyalty thing? Uh, you know, the team a lack of loyalty. Uh, guys should be spending, or is it part of the game that you got to? You know, you're older, you get moved on. It's part of the deal. Deal with it, or should, should guys be upset because it's, the teams aren't being loyal? I mean, it's a two it's a two sided sword, two edged sword, or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Like when whenever you get to a certain dollar amount. You know, teams expect you to do X, Y, and Z. And if you're not doing that, then they say, oh, um, let's let's see if we can get them out of here and get somebody else and trade them or whatever and get some more, get somebody else to step in for lesser value. And in the same breath, like, when you've earned your money uh, and, and you get released before uh, a signing bonus is due to you, I feel like that's where the lack of loyalty comes. You know, uh, as far as uh, the CFL uh, teams doing to players, but um, you just—you never know in this game, especially in the CFL, being American or whatever. You know what the ratio is, and you know by the time like 35, I'm 35. I know if I don't do, if I didn't do what I did last year, I could be gone. Like people, people say, "Oh, my numbers fell off," but. I played eight games with a cast on, you know, and and uh, and hips and stuff like that, you know, and I, I ate a I ate a lot of double teams, you know. what I mean, I played against the the Grey Cup, the Grey Cup champs kept the uh, off, uh, extra offensive lineman on me the whole game. So, if if you're not contributing and not requiring, you know, uh, attention from other teams, uh, maybe owners or coaches or whatever GMs think it's your time to go on. And, and lucky for Kai, he had an outstanding season, and he wasn't on the market long. I mean, I think he tweeted out that uh, the city that he got cut and thanked the city uh, at, like, noon, and by 150 he was signing the contract in, in Ottawa. So Tampering! 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 I'm not saying tampering. I'm just saying it was a it's a short drive from here to Ottawa. So uh, I mean it, it, it's just a it's just a business. I mean it's, I can't say there's no loyalty in sports because we see it with some of the, the big star players. There is some loyalty, but Within the bigger scheme of things, I mean, players expect it, and you want it. You want it to be loyal, but it's not at the end of the day. John, you you're 35 as you touched on, and here you are. You're you're back in the saddle again for 2018. And you look at what Montreal's done here, and they address the defensive side of the football with, you know, you bring in Mitchell White, you bring in Tommy Campbell, you bring in Jamal Westerman. Uh, what's what do you make of what's been done so far this off season to try to put your body in harm's way again? Is, do you feel like it's all worth it right now with what the, the off season moves have been done in Montreal? I feel like Cavis and, and the brass are trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? And um, we got criticized heavily for being a, a, a underperforming defense last year, or like oh, matter of fact, our whole team. But when you go out and sign guys and, and give them contracts and whatever, 
you're you're basing it off. You're hoping. You know what I mean? You like you're hoping like, oh, let's hope this guy can do this and this, and and that'll put us here. And last year, with last year's 2017, we didn't do that. You know, we signed guys who didn't live up to their expectation, or guys who were already on the roster uh, didn't live up to their expectation. So, um, Cavus is uh, is trying to right the ship, and he's, he's signing guys who are coming off of All Star years or on the cusp of All Star years. Of, you know, guys that are in the upper two, three, four at their the, the spots at their position with the hope that they can help us uh, right the ship. And, and that's all you can do is just hope that everybody buys in and everybody coming ready to grind and, and, and get some Ws. What do you know about Josh Freeman? Uh, I know he's big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's a big dude. Um, I mean, not too much. And, and again, like I, I followed him, of course, I'm a, book, a big football fan. And I, th- I think he had a great year with uh, Tampa or whatever it was. And then, Whatever some changes happen and and then he end up out of NFL, but uh, again, weird chairs. Where did they find me? You know I mean in the NIFL. So he's been playing football still. Everybody's worried about what he can do, but and, and like I said, the thing you do is hope. And um, he was an athletic guy with a big arm, and hopefully he he, he picks up the game quickly. I know um, Sherman is bringing in some guys that uh, coach with him in. Uh, or play with him in Texas A&M, and hopefully they can help him transition to the game up here much faster. Uh, the new defensive coordinator, have you had talks with Khalil Carter? And, and you, as an older guy, we talked about with Charleston and Odell as well, and we bring the same thing to you. Do you want to play less snaps? And I know you want to be out there, Bo, but I, I went on and said that you were playing way too many snaps last year <laughs> just because you just – I mean, you get beat up. It is what it is. Young guys are, is. are, rotate, are rotating now, so guys in their 30s should be rotating. If you had this conversation, do you feel like you'd be more effective if you get down your snaps a little bit and come in and really rush the passer? I mean, for sure. Uh, listen, like last year was was crazy. Uh, like I ended up playing like 90% of the snaps as a defensive lineman which is, like, uncalled for. I mean, with unheard one of. Arm, with one with arm, with one arm, arm. You know, and a lot of guys, you know, didn't even play the full 18 games. So uh, I definitely talked to Kavis and I uh, talked to Khalil and I talked to my D-line coach, and, and they put together a solid plan for me to help me, uh, you know, get through training camp uh, as fresh and as healthy as I can be. And if I make the team, you know, we're going to put a cap on things. Well, not a hard cap because, uh, if the game is in, you know, you know how it goes. If the game's on the line or something like that, I got to be in the game. So you know, we're gonna find ways to get a get a break on these on these old bones. You know, any any chance we can, and and that's the plan for now. But you know, when, when the bullets start flying, you don't really feel. You know what I mean, you don't really feel tired. You know, you just want to be out there and help your team get a chance to win. Uh, John, so right, huh? No, go ahead, buddy. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was not with you. What you were saying is is the fact of when when the game's online, you want to you want to be in the game when the game's online. Other than that, you just want to stay fresh, and, and that's kind of yeah. the plan. Yeah, I mean, of course, year. yeah, of course. Like they're going to try to limit snaps and limit reps in practice and stuff like that. Uh, but game time, I'm I'm ready to go, and, and I'm pretty much focused on the game. You, John, I will say this before we let you go. I want to say thank you. Congratulations on an amazing career. Uh, like we always say on the waggle, men lie, women lie, but uh, these numbers don't, man. And you've uh, 
what you've done. Uh, not many uh, have paralleled what you've done, man. And uh, I sincerely mean this. I'm extremely proud of you, buddy. And uh, congratulations. And, and uh, I hope I hope your ending is uh, is is what you deserve. And I uh, hope you get what you deserve. Thank you, boss. I appreciate it. Nice to finally talk to a player that's almost the same age as uh, you and I, there, Chez. <laughs> <laughs> The one, the only, John Bowman joining us this week right here on The Waggle. All right, the one and the only John Bowman joining us this week, and uh, we thank you for the uh, the ageless wonder. Buddy, it's remarkable to see. He's pretty much automatic for somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 sacks a year, Chez, and a couple of forced fumbles, and... This guy, just the fact that he just continues to play, he's an he's an Iron Man. He, he's he's a CFL Iron Man, and the way you talked talked about him, described him as a future Hall of Famer, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. This guy is still shows no signs of slowing down at thirty five. And his 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 athleticness, his the way his body is, he's not a guy who's gonna like freakishly. You look at him like he's a freak athlete. That's just to me. That's even more impressive that he's been able to do it without. Without crazy physical tools, he's athletic. Don't get it twisted, but he's not like super big or super long or anything that's out of the ordinary. That just tells you what kind of instinct he has, what kind of heart he has, and what kind of gamer John Bowman is. Really, um, we we talked about getting to uh, to our three touchdowns and our three punts here uh, this week, but between uh, like we mentioned between Creever and Bowman, uh, a lot. So we we will get into all of ours. Uh, next week because we still got time to play but something we did want to touch on this week that that came down uh is the unveiling of the negotiation lists or at least a sample size of it Ches. the negotiation list why don't you explain the negotiation list for anybody that isn't quite familiar what the negotiation list is the teams can have these are only for american players teams can have 40 guys on this negotiation list and this allows teams uh, the only only have the right to talk to these players once your guy is on a list and the rest of the teams around the league can see this list of it's not it wasn't public until today but the rest of the teams see this 40 player list and you're not those other teams are not allowed to talk to these players because they're exclusive rights for the team that has them on this list you know i i will say this the first time and only time or the closest i ever came to seeing a negotiation list in the cfl was uh, boy, you know, 22 years ago, Jim Gilstrap, who was the head coach of the Ottawa then Rough Riders in those days, humored me because I was such a college football nerd in those days that I had made a list of a bunch of players that I thought would probably be, you know, kind of that tweener, right? Too small to be an NFLer, but a guy who might be tailor-made to be a CFL guy. And he tolerated or humored me one afternoon after he had been doing his media session. And he said, well, you know, if you want to come by one day, bring your list and I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through it. And so I brought my list up. I had about 20 players on my list. And he went through the negotiation list. And I remember he, I think there was probably about half the guys I had mentioned he had uh, had seen wow. on, on, on a list. And I remember him kind of at one point where he, all of a sudden there was like a consecutive run of, I was listing off names and he kind of looked at me at one point and he was like, Holy crap. Like <laughs> you kind of got a sense <laughs> of what's going on here. Right? Like he wasn't showing me the other team's list, but it was like, man, this is kind of, I was like, you know, kind of like my one little street cred moment of knowing what I was talking about from a football standpoint. It all kind of went sideways as based on every week here on the waggle, as you can tell, but it was, uh, 
yeah, it was pretty cool. But the, this is uh, the transparency. Look, I get that they're not, they're not showing everything here, and there's always room for improvement. But this at least creates the discussion. What I do wonder, though, Chez, with this is, does this create a false sense of hope for certain players because there's some familiar names on these lists? It gives it presents a false sense of hope for fans. Think of it like this. Now, I've talked to uh, many personnel guys, and, and and I understand to a point how this how this works. Realize that these these lists, uh, these negotiation lists, they change. They might change, you know, three or four times in a day. Like they they change a lot. I mean, and so if you see guys on a list and fan, if a fan now, and this is a problem with the list, and I think it's good that we're getting this as fans, but the problem is if a fan sees a guy's name on the list and gets excited that, hey, you know, this guy's on the list, I, this guy this is great, now all of a sudden they get fixated with, you know, this guy might be coming to the league, and two days later he's not even on the list, and the fan doesn't even realize, you know, three months later this guy's not even on our list anymore because <laughs> we're only given 10 players out of 40 so you're not good and it's going to be different guys so the, the situation is uh, i think you know people don't realize just how fluid these negotiation lists are gms and personnel guys are changing these lists on a daily basis so uh, that's the that's the one issue i remembered too that these 10 guys that the teams put out are the 10 guys that they want to put out the teams choose who the 10 players are that they're going to expose so if they have, you know, you might have a guy like uh, they just had it today. So we saw Colin Kaepernick's on a list, right? So we saw the Alouettes have Colin Kaepernick. They yes. exposed him today on a list. Uh, you say Baker Mayfield as well, wasn't he, James? Baker Mayfield is property of the Toronto Argonauts. He's on the negotiation list, yeah. RG3, RG3 is on Hamilton's negotiation list. So these guys, you know, you, you might have guys on the list, and let's say they didn't want to put, uh, you know Baker Mayfield on the list. Well, he might be on a team's list, and he'd been there for three years, but nobody knows about it uh, because the team didn't choose to put him on. So, from that uh, re- in that respect, it's uh, you know it's it's fun to look at some of this stuff, but it's not really going to tell people a whole lot. But I like the fact that Lee's doing it. Let's give us a, a peek into some of, some of these guys, and uh, I like it. It's 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 a step in the right direction in regards to transparency for fans to get a little. Uh, insight into the, the building of, of their team yeah well also but i mean again it's it, it's funny in the sense that it's great debate and speculation and fodder for all of us right in terms of um what it what it may be what it may amount to and a lot of this i think amounts to nothing but some of the names we just alluded to so if you're an owls fan you go oh maybe kaepernick's coming up here Kaepernick might kneel for an anthem up here on this side of the border, unless it's Fergie, and then he might actually stand for it because it was so. Uh, <laughs> um, you saw that? That was great. One, one, one more thing on on this, and that was actually a tweet you sent me. That didn't you? Yeah, I did. You sent me that. Yeah, that I was did. amazing. That was uh, that was uh, the tweet. How to go, James? Quote that was amazing. What was it? It was basically it was so based on Fergie singing the anthem at the NBA All Star game over the weekend and. It was uh, it was a tweet that somebody had posted saying Fergie sang that anthem so bad Kaepernick stood up and told her not to disrespect yeah. <laughs> the anthem like that. <laughs> so, That's great. But um, you well, got Kaepernick. Was- yeah, Johnny Manziel's name wasn't on the negotiation list. So, and again, they've got up to forty players. But I thought that was somewhat surprising that the Tabbies uh, didn't disclose because of all the names all people, you could everyone disclose. Knows. Everybody knows. So everyone it's knows. one it's one less player you would have to 
to show off. So I I, I don't know if maybe. I mean, but in some ways, teams will, will want to show off. So it's it's it goes both ways. It's not always going to be teams don't want to put show guys on the list. Some guys don't want to show to, to mm-hmm. spark interest. But one thing I will say, one thing teams will not like, and this is this is a, a definite point of discussion, is that ten day rule uh, that a player or a player's agent can invoke a, a player to get. Uh, that a contract offer after that those ten days. So, if a player now who doesn't know his name's on that list, and, and so it's not the guy might be out of football, he's not playing, his name's on a list, but doesn't matter because he's not interested, he's retired, whatever it may be, and he sees on CFL.ca, or there's an article somewhere, his name pops up on Google saying he's his name is on the Calgary Stampede's negotiation list. Now this player's agent can go uh, to that team and 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 force that team to give them 10 days to give that player a reasonable offer of a contract. That's the thing we talked about with Johnny earlier. A team has to give, in 10 days, they have to give that uh, that player a reasonable contract offer. So that may force teams to do that, which is one of the things that uh, personnel guys and GMs aren't going to like. Uh, Brett Ripien, who is a quarterback at Boise State, who uh, happens to be is on the BC Lions negotiation list. He is the nephew of former Super Bowl winning quarterback Mark Ripien, former of uh, back of Washington, uh, and is also a, a Vancouver connection with the BC Lions, where he is uh, a distant cousin of uh, former Canuck and the late Rick Ripien. So uh, there's that connection. Uh, Brandon Zilstra's got some fam. Uh, Shane Zilstra is on Edmonton's negotiation list, who is a wideout at Minnesota State. Uh, and Denard Robinson, uh, the big play uh, quarterback at Michigan, is on the Argos uh, negotiation list along with Baker Ooh, Mayfield. Who wants to tackle Trophy. that guy in the open field? Oh, no, not who you. Who wants to tackle Denard Robinson in the open field? Not me, ski skirt. <laughs> not not Chessie. Uh So as we wind down, so as we wind down uh, this week's episode, uh, we should also mention just as we're kind of wrapping up here, uh, the note as as we record this, the news coming down that Bear Woods is also re-upped with the Argonauts as well for. Uh, 2018 so it's nice to see uh, one of the great defensive players in the CFL is back in the fold back with the boatman back with Jim Pop so uh, sticking with uh, as Sabolski likes to say Chaz the devil you know devil you know that's uh, good I'm glad, I'm glad Bear's back he's a, a fan favorite he's built something there and uh, he's a leader in that room so good for him to get back uh, in Toronto alright more punts and more touchdowns coming your way next week uh, we're only scratching the surface and all this and uh, look we're still only in February in this offseason and there's no shortage of stuff to talk about so for Davis I'm James or in this case for Chez I'm Balls we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening to The Wagon